research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Seated by my side, Eric Eggers. Eric, how are you? Well, I'm great, Peter. We uh, It seems weird to think about it, but it's been a week, but we survived a hurricane here (laughs) in North Florida. So I'm excited to no longer be checking the radar and like worrying which way is it going to go and you try to like infer so much right. information from this one small line yeah on a graphic on your phone that's exactly and, and your fate is in the hands of which direction that little dot is going to end up going it's interesting you mentioned that we're going to talk about natural disasters today and the tragedy uh, out in Ma- maui and really just dis- discuss whether it actually was just a natural disaster or was it a man-made policy disaster but before we get to that I have a question to ask you. Now, I know I can imagine I didn't know you when you were young, but I imagine you were a pretty precocious kid. What was the best excuse you ever used uh, when you failed to do something either for your parents or you failed to turn your homework? What was the best excuse you ever came up with? Yeah, I hate that how quickly the answer to this came to my mind <laughs> when you asked me. Uh, I remember one time I, I didn't do a science fair project okay. like, or like I did it totally haphazardly last minute. Right. And uh, then I was sort of held to account for that. And I was like, well, do you know how just challenging it is to deal with this divorce? (laughs) (laughs) Use that on the teacher. No, no, my parents. parents. (laughs) Well, you know, if you guys hadn't gotten divorced, then we'd be having all these challenges. So how can I be possibly expected to get my science fair project done? Given the fact that you ruined my childhood, did it? Did it work? I think it did. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know. Also, by the way, for anybody whose parents are divorced, you can use it. As, it's a great tip. And grandparents want to tell you how to parent your kids now. You right. be like, well, at least I didn't do that. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's got a nice bar for you to uh, to to exceed. <laughs> well, the excuse that's being used today for so many natural disasters, most recently the absolute tragedy in Maui. We still don't know how many people died. I mean, it could surpass a thousand. It could be more than that. Uh, Enormously tragic incident. But the excuse that the policy leaders are using now from President Biden to the governor of Hawaii and others is that, well, it's climate change. What are we going to do? And it's not just the fires in Hawaii, as we're about to hear. Anything now that becomes an unpleasant meteorological event uh, is climate change. The hurricane that we just dealt with in Florida was immediately, as you're going to hear Joe Biden. I mean, listen how seamlessly now we talk about natural disasters and climate change. Here we go. I let each governor I spoke with know if there's anything, anything the states need right now, I'm ready to mobilize that support of what they need. I don't think anybody can deny the impact of the climate crisis anymore. How much responsibility do you think the power company bears here for the fire? I don't want to jump to conclusions just because I don't think it's fair for me to do that. But we will hold everyone accountable 100 percent and we'll be very transparent about it. We'll release all the reports. I think that in the end of the day, we all have to acknowledge that this is a global problem. It was a very, very hot, dry, terrible storm. 
We are dealing with global warming here. These communities now are suddenly in the path of hurricanes where they have not been before. Is there anything that can be done to protect them going forward? That's an amazing question. It's the biggest sort of trillion dollar question about how you adapt communities like this to the world that we're already now living in at the same time trying to mitigate further more wicked storms down the road with more fossil fuel pollution. So there you hear it. We've we're seeing fire like we've never seen before. Uh, these disasters are everywhere. The in- heat is more intense. None of that, by the way, is based on any scientific evidence. My contention is, Eric, that this is basically the dog ate my homework excuse that our policy leaders are using, not just in the face of natural disasters, but natural disasters that are being made worse by government corruption, cronyism, and terrible, terrible policy. The blood is really on their hands. Well, remember what happened after Hurricane Katrina, which was this all-encompassing, like New Orleans is devastated, and we're holding uh, fundraisers on national television to help raise money. And that's when we found out for the first time that George Bush hates black people right? because of what Kanye West says. And that was became this big thing because FEMA failed to mobilize. It was blamed, hey, New Orleans had lots of issues with their levies and everything else, but somehow it became George Bush's fault and FEMA's fault. Uh, And then imagine if you look at, and we'll talk about the details of how poorly the governments reacted to the fires in Maui. Yet you don't hear anywhere near that level of outrage. No one accuses Joe Biden of hating Islanders uh, or anything else. But it it is significant. And I do think it's impossible to separate the discussion of the natural disasters with climate change, specifically the Maui fire. Consider this, that the fires in Maui happened on August 8th. That's literally almost one year to the day after they passed this Inflation Reduction Act, which had very little to do with inflation and actually quite a bit to do with climate change spending (laughs) and green energy, because that was passed on August the 16th of last year. So literally almost a year to the date. And why it matters is there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the incentives that were contained in that bill went to things that actually, because they went away from things that would have mitigated the fires, I think there's a decent argument to make that they did contribute to making the disaster in Maui worse. Uh, I think that's exactly right. We're going to go into the details and unpack that. But as a background, the government in Hawaii knew that the threat of wildfires was increasing. And it was increasing because they were failing to cut back the brush. They were failing to do controlled burns. This is a common theme we're going to see later on as it relates to the California wildfires and those in Canada. But basic mitigation efforts that native peoples used hundreds of years ago that we used to use, but have been pulled back in part because of this obsessive focus on climate change. But As a background, this is what the government in Maui was saying uh, at the time. The investigation found, this is from July of 2021, the county of Maui, the uh, uh, government commission, the investigation found that the number of incidents from a combination of wild brush forest fires appears to be increasing and that this increase poses an increased threat to citizens, properties, and sacred sites. Wild brush forest fires present a growing threat to Maui County citizens and safety safety and property. That's in July of 2021. So, And there are numerous other examples where they knew that this problem was increasing. But, Eric, where were they actually spending their money? Where was the utility? Were they spending their money on 
mitigating and dealing with the threat of forest fires or were they spending it on something else? Uh, they were not spending it, as it turns out, on uh, mitigating <laughs> forest fires. Yeah. And the tribal thing that you mentioned is I hadn't considered it related to why. I mean, literally Hawaii's culture is based on their tribal heritage. Correct. Right. I mean, that's other than the flowery shirts. But I mean, yeah. the, the culture you know, you don't want to be a howly. White people right. are seen as sort of outsiders because right. their culture and tradition are so important to Hawaii. And yes, that is a tradition in California and Hawaii that culturally they knew that you need to to burn to keep the risk of actual fire away. Control burn, tribal burn, cultural burns, different phrases that are used. But no, uh, instead, Hawaii Electric, this municipality, the municipal electric company, spent from 2019 to 2022 $245,000 on wildfire preparedness and prevention over three years, despite the fact that you noted that's less than a hundred thousand dollars a year, less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. So what were they spending money on (laughs) instead? Uh, In the summer of 2020 Hawaiian electric. So 245,000 for For three years for fires. Yeah. In 2020, they announced 29 new clean energy projects valued at three and a half to $4 billion. So literally an entirely different economy of scale. And when we're talking about clean energy, we're talking about things like they want to have a zero emissions grid. They want to have electric buses. They want to have electric charging stations, those types of things, which are the things that should be pointed out that win you awards at yeah. utility conferences. And, and praise. And, and praise. And praise. Uh, burning <laughs> burning woods does not. Yeah. There's no White House press conference that it, says, hey, the Hawaiians, the Californians and others successfully yeah initiated controlled burns and uh why we mentioned the inflation reduction act which was passed again a year before the fires is that also provided a billion dollar in grants or rebates for zero emission heavy duty vehicles so the point is the incentives that the biden administration the biden epa put in place weren't for doing things that would have actually saved lives here it would something it would instead be in place for doing things that will, I think, mitigate the threat of climate change. Exactly. So you have this obsession with this, I would argue, abstract threat uh, of climate change. It's going to raise the, the the temperature on the planet uh, you know, by a couple of degrees. But you have this very real threat of fires that you see every year. When the dry season comes anywhere on the planet, you see a problem of fires. But the real threat, they're spending less than $100,000 a year on, on this abstract threat that we're going to increase the temperature of the planet by two degrees over the next 30 years. They're spending literally billions of dollars on because that's what they're incentivized to do. And oh, by the way, you know, talk about the, the actual death toll of california it's and of wildfires in general it's not just the people that die in the fire although that's significant and tragic and you know hundreds of lives are lost uh in california there was i mean it feels like there's wildfires in california every year but in 2020 big wildfires killed more than 30 people directly but a stanford study concluded that actually thousands more died from smoke exposure Mm. so you've got wildfires literally killing thousands of people yet right and again so it's not just hawaiian electric who's spending hundred thousand dollars a year on this as opposed to billions on these clean energy projects um in june of 2023 right so two months before the fire uh there was a government accountability office study which looked into what these federal agencies are doing. And they found that the EPA, <laughs> the Environmental Protection Agency, you would think mitigating fire right. might be something in their task, but they found that their efforts to help communities prepare for and respond to wildfire smoke have been ad hoc. No program or staff solely dedicated to the work. They've also been lacking in coordinating prescribed burn strategies. And so the EPA says, or the GAO said, EPA needs to do a much better job, be more proactive, uh, and, and by specifically by focusing on prescribed burns, which helps clear the land of the fuel, which actually leads to the wildfire. So 
everyone says this is a big problem. You're doing a bad job of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's another example of mission creep. We've talked about this before when the pandemic hit, uh, that the Centers for Disease Control was obsessed with all these other issues like helmet safety, playground equipment, rather than focusing on actually preventing diseases and, and, and handling diseases, which is what is supposed to be the focus. You the same thing, see the same thing happening here. Now, so it's a it's a problem of where they deployed their resources, lack of interest in the stuff they should be doing, focused on the abstract climate change. But you also have the problem of just raw incompetence and the fact that you have cronyism at work in Hawaii. The first thing that struck me was apparently it took government authorities five hours before they authorized the release of water, which is kind of important. In fighting to, fires. To fight the fire. It took them five hours as as the forest is burning. Uh, and yet they didn't notice it. Uh, that's certainly going to be investigated and looked at. But you also looked at the actual oversight, um, the uh, Public Utilities Commission, which is supposed to be regulating and making sure that the utility is doing its job, taking care of safety and other issues. What did you find when you looked at this uh, at this uh, commission? Well, Lee Fang has done a lot of really good reporting on this. And he's yeah. got a very lengthy breakdown with all the individual deals and the money that people are making that that they're either making off the utility company or they used to make from the utility company. But here's the bottom line you need to know. The entity that regulates Hawaiian Electric, right, mm-hmm. is called the Hawaii Public Utilities Commission. And literally every single member <laughs> of the Hawaii Public Utilities Commission has financial or previous professional ties to Hawaiian Electric. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And I think it speaks to the larger point of, from an incentive structure standpoint, no one makes money off of burning these controlled burns. Right. But lots and lots of people make money off of the green energy stuff and the climate change conversion projects. Like everyone is connected to at the Biden administration. I mean, they have all these energy czars and we've done a lot of reporting previously on the financial ties that those people have to the industries that are getting the government money to promote these projects. Nobody nobody makes money off of burning the controlled burn stuff. Right. So, I mean, you wonder why are we not focusing more on the thing that actually saves lives because nobody makes money off of it. Yeah, there's there's no consultants wearing very expensive suits that are saying, hey, we will advise you on how to do this controlled burn because everybody knows how to do it. They know it's effective. They know it's important. Uh, and you're right. The flow of money is key here. And this is a classic example of what they call regulatory capture. We've talked about it before. And what I think people on the political left never appreciate and never want to confront is the simple fact that, oh, we're going to set up this government body that's going to oversight business, you know, offer oversight for business and make sure that we keep those guys in line. And what they don't realize is that, as this case demonstrates, is the industry, in this case, the utility and the government body oversight, they're colluding together. They're working together. It's regulatory capture. And this notion that government is somehow going to, you know, hold at bay the terrible forces of the private sector. It's the opposite. They work together. They incentivize the worst behaviors. Um, and this is just another example of that. It's so funny. I remember when uh, the economy crashed in 2008 and there was this press conference. You know, we've been to have this big push for green energy stuff. And I remember at one point, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, John McCain, and maybe Rudy Giuliani, but some these three Republicans held a press conference. They're trying to say, hey, we got to take climate change seriously. We're going to take right. investing in green uh, technology seriously. And I remember thinking the, the economy is literally creating right now. If you could solve the economy by lighting styrofoam on fire, you would do it, <laughs> right? So it's kind of one of those things where we care about climate change right. until we have bigger problems. 
And I, but, the, but you're right. It's, it's such a great metaphor. It is always the excuse that's used in your, I think, first like big book, throw them all out. Mm-hmm. You looked into, cause you know, the economy's crash. Obama gets elected. We're going to do with this economic stimulus. We're going to do right. all shovel ready projects. Right. We're going to put money in the economy. We're going to fix right. this economy. Right. And so, so much of that money didn't just go to silly things like a turtle tunnel here in Tallahassee. I mean, it's silly, mm-hmm. but uh, it, a lot of it went to these new green energy projects. And what was the stat about like who got the money for green energy? So it's not really about science. It's right. about money. Yeah. So the, the Department of Energy was allocating billions of dollars to uh, green tech companies and loans and government grants. And we went and looked a- at- As our solution to fixing the economy. Yeah, to fixing the economy. <laughs> and what we found is that of the billions of dollars they put out, 80% of that money went to green energy companies that were owned by people who had served on Obama's finance committee of his campaign. <laughs> 80%. So, you know, at least they got the recycling part, right? You know, you put in the government money, you get the guy elected, uh, he gives the money back. So this is a huge problem. They use this as an excuse. The media never calls them out on it. Uh, you know, also note, we don't really know the origins of these fires. Of course, they claim they said that climate change was the cause of the fires in Greece. Greece has had terrible flooding and terrible fires. Turns out those were actually lit by arsonists. Um, so the notion that climate change is responsible has never been established in any of these cases. It's a convenient excuse. But it, it didn't just start with Maui. It happened in California and it happened in Canada as well. Yeah. And the same issues have happened. I think for some reason, because the the emphasis is on green technology and the things that they seem to want to focus on to improve the environment are investing in emissions and, you know, batteries and electric buses and things like that, as opposed to removing the one physical threat to our environment, which is these wildfires, because as you noted, and then there's the smoke damage, which in Canada was like 90% of the East Coast yep. had poor air quality that they're having to deal with. And California has been quite challenging. And that same GAO study also found that California has, quote, been slow to reach its aggressive goals to reduce fire fuels due to staffing shortages, delays, and a lack of legislative guidance and oversight. So it got so bad, like in California, they can't find anybody that actually wants to do this. So they literally went back to the tribes. They went back to these Native American people or these people that have been living in California and said, hey, you guys used to do cultural burnings all the time. You were smart enough to know how to do it. Uh, And then we came in and told you to stop doing it for environmental reasons. Will you please go back to doing it? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. They held a press conference in April of 2020. Gavin Newsom's like, we're asking the, the Native Americans to get back to the burning place. yeah yeah this is this is an example of where we need to embrace cultural appropriation we need to adopt the practices that the natives use because it helped to sort of cultivate and control these sorts of situations and unfortunately it's the environmental left in canada this certainly happened the environmental left went to battle against tribal leaders who wanted to do control burns to prevent them from doing so and i think it's important to say it, not to be dismissive of the idea that the evidence does suggest that yeah, the Earth's warming, what relationship humans have with it. I mean, is it cyclical? Is it not? There's a lot of different things you could get into. But the point is, is that when people like the president, when people like CNN anchors want to immediately transition from, hey, there's a hurricane happening to clearly it's because of climate change. It's just hard to take those positions seriously when people don't seem to actually take things seriously or their, their money's not where their mouths would be. Well, and you say that very well. We did a study a couple of years ago on this on climate change. And do these politicians who talk about climate change as a serious threat actually put their money where their mouth is? And it turns out 
they don't. <laughs> the answer is no. Shocking. Yes, <laughs> shocking. Uh, and what we did is we looked at something very boring, very sleepy called government municipal bonds. These are bonds issued by local governments uh, to fund various projects. And they always have to put warnings there, as you do with any kind of financial product, to say, here are the concerns that you have to be worried about. You know, uh, the city could go bankrupt. The project could go poorly. Tax revenue in the city could go down. It's an investment vehicle. And so you're it, trying to get people, hey, if you're going to invest in us, just there are certain risks. Yeah. There are certain risks. Well, the disclosures don't really mention climate change. Of course, if they did mention climate change, the interest they would have to charge on the money would go up. So a lot of these cities don't mention them. Or if climate change was viewed as an actual threat, even the cities that did mention it would be paying a higher rate. Exactly right. But and our study found that they do not. They do not. And they were supporting projects that um, clearly would be in known flood zones in the next 30 to 50 years. One example, uh, Boston Mayor Marty Walsh, who later joined the uh, cabinet of the Biden administration, uh, repeatedly la- railed against the dangers of climate change, yet he presided over the permitting of multiple buildings that would flood if his own predictions about climate change were correct. While the city of Boston mentioned climate change just once in its disclosure statements on bonds, uh, you can find the same thing as it relates to California, coastal cities, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego, failed to mention climate change or sea level rise even once in the disclosure statements of their bonds. So in other words, again, these cities are saying, hey, this is a 30-year bond we are issuing to people give us money to finance projects. We'll pay you over the course of 30 years. At the same time, they're claiming 30 years from now, our city is going to be mostly underwater. Yeah. There's a total disconnect. Well, so they're hyping it on the one hand because they can get money. They can get the attention you talked about. On the other hand, they're not mentioning it when it's actually going to cost them money. The other example of our study that I think is actually my personal favorite is the city of Oakland, right? So yeah. San Francisco's sister city, although sister, maybe it's like your less successful cousin. Uh, <laughs> no offense to Oakland, but come on. Oh, no, complete offense to Oakland. <laughs> but in this, uh, the city of Oakland, it's 2017 bond disclosure said that it, quote, couldn't predict uh, or when or even if sea level rise or other natural events would have an ad- adverse effect on the city. So it says, hey, we, we don't know. It's an unknown statement, right? Yeah. At the same time, the city of Oakland was actually in a lawsuit against several oil companies in which it claimed in the lawsuit <laughs> a projection of up to 66 inches of sea level rise, <laughs> and which they said will harm us between 22 and $38 billion. So- <laughs> Bond disclosure, we don't know. Lawsuit, we're basically going to drown. Yeah, we absolutely know. That's right. That's right. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you know, you got to be very frustrated about this. What are some of the lessons we can draw here? The first one that I think of is hold the people into account whose actual job is to deal with these natural disasters. Don't let them make excuses. Um, and the media does this because they buy into the climate change, so they don't hold them into account. But if this happens in your state or in your city, hold them into account. You actually have people whose job is to deal with fires, to turn on the water if there's a fire. Uh, and if those people are failing to do their job, if the governor is failing to do their job, don't let them use the dog ate my lunch excuse, which is what climate change has become. Yeah, Ron DeSantis is actually, I think, down in Steenhatchee, Florida, was down there yesterday or this morning 
and talking about, you know, that's where the community has been absolutely devastated. The hurricane yeah. was very real. It was very bad. In Tallahassee, we got lucky. It looked like it was going to come here, but it ended up going further east. And there's, I mean, Joe Biden was in Live Oak, Florida over the weekend, I think, touring the area. So there are parts of the state that have been dramatically and negatively impacted. But Ron DeSantis made the point today. He said, listen, like we, we have a role as government to help people prepare for. But we shouldn't politicize these natural disasters by like quickly pivoting to climate change. It doesn't do anyone any good and actually just distracts from, and that's like yeah. the point of the, the lesson to learn from the Hawaii fires, they were distracted. They were distracted by things that they seemed to virtue signal a certain cultural value right. instead of doing the job that would have helped save lives. Yeah. And the same government that says we want to be more involved in your lives in these other areas is the one that has failed us in the most basic area, which is protecting us from natural disasters and, and, and from any other thing that can befall people. So it's a very tragic situation. But keep in mind and remember, even when it comes to basic things like fighting natural disasters, cronyism, corruption are oftentimes massively present. Your final thoughts, Eric? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, Hawaii Electric wasn't doing the job and they weren't held to account by the government, the regulatory agency that should have made it do its job because literally everyone's making money off of yeah. this thing. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just cronyism, corruption and incompetence. Uh, but that's what actually happened instead of being presented as climate change, which is what the media is trying to tell you it was about. Well, uh, tragedy on multiple levels, tragedy of the natural disaster, tragedy of the government disaster, cronyism, corruption that followed. Uh, we're going to keep on top of this story. Uh, unfortunately, we're probably going to see more of this. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us as always on the drill down. Uh, you can find uh, information about the podcast at the and you can find the podcast wherever podcasts are located. Thanks again. 